<laughs> are you are you over on the East Coast? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, well, eleven uh, fifteen p.m. on a Sunday night. It's a beautiful evening in. Where are you? New York City. New York New City. York City. Uh, my girlfriend lives in Brooklyn, but she's with me this week, so I'm in a good mood. Uh, where where in where in the city, my friend? I live in Eats Flatbush, and let me tell you, everyone's girlfriend lives in Brooklyn. They just don't. <laughs> 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 they're, all just, they're all just visiting them. <laughs> Trying to get her here next year. I think it'll work. Um, she's in Greenpoint. Well, here we go. Uh, it's another struggle session. Another struggle we, session. We, we keep doing these, and so here's another of them. Yeah, people um, keep listening, so I, we'll keep making them. I, we, we're very appreciative. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm Jack Allison. I'm Jonathan Daniel Brown. I'm Leslie Lee the third, and we got a guest today, a very very special guest, coming from New York City, East Flatbush. It's Brandon. Yes, it is. Thank you for having me. Uh, a long time caller, first time listener. Hell yes! Welcome, <laughs> welcome, welcome. So you just have been calling us? You just been cold calling us and never having heard the show? I've been calling somebody. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, Boo Randon, you've uh, probably heard him on the Benjamin Dixon show, and he also has his own show that he recently started called The Discourse, and I just want to, first of all, applaud you for getting that name, because um, <laughs> that's a very uh, good name, that's a good brand to um, yeah. get your hands on right We now. all have to respect the discourse. We, we do, we do. I mean, like, we, we you should be both in awe and in uh, fear of the discourse and its many, many... Uh, was it uh mechanations and i it just i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna lie like there were other discourses out there uh but i just decided to use it anyway and then we got because yeah. i because i had more reach <laughs> <laughs> sue my ass <laughs> that's the nature of the podcast game though right like there's no there's no one going hey hey uh you, you can't share names if someone else starts a struggle yeah, session next week, it's not sad where you're not allowed to uh, have the same name as someone. You have to add a. If somebody else started a struggle session, they'd have to start at like struggle E session, put like a middle initial or something. You know, um, you know Michael Keaton's real name, right? What is it? It's Michael Douglas. <laughs> they said you can't be uh, Michael Douglas. No. We already got a Michael Douglas. A great man, who. Ate so much pussy that it gave him cancer. <laughs> That's what he said. You know he, that? Said he said that he about said that. his wife. That's what Michael Douglas said. He I said mean, that about Catherine Zeta-Jones. I can relate to that because I ate so much asshole it turned me into one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, oh, man. Um, we're talking about horror today. Because um, it's Halloween, um, all of us are big movie fans, and uh, I've, I've been following Brandon for a while because of the Benjamin Dixon show, and he's an incredibly intelligent guy, but we wanted to get, get him on here to talk about some horror, horror, you know, fuck this whole, all this political bullshit, yeah. nothing good has happened in politics. It's been a garbage it's, week. It's still I'll, garbage. Um, I'll tell you the sorry. real horror show. This damn Trump presidency. Whoa. Oh. I hope you're paying this guy extra. Yeah. Yeah. Six figures, courtesy of Stephen Colbert. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about, you know, something that's actually important to the world. Um, Our 31 days of horror list. 
Yeah. So have you always been a horror fan, Brandon? I actually have. I've always been a horror. Before I was into rap music in 40 ounces, I was into horror movies. And <laughs> so, uh, and like it's just always been something that I've been, you know... Okay, so it's hard to say that, right? Because I'm going to just... If you say, like, hey, you know, what's your favorite genre movie? You go horror, people sort of, you know reel back and go ill you're one of those people yeah you're and, a fucked up weirdo and it's like I almost am. as bad as like having like being a guy who like has a parrot all the time or something <laughs> i don't think you know a pirate no a, a parrot. parrot parrot these guys that have like parrots on their shoulders and are fucking weirdo yeah, yeah. they're called pirates no i mean you know what let's take this over uh have you always that's been a, a la thing fan? i think that's an la thing jack like, i see people, people would like have a parrot on yeah no i went to josh I, I went to joshua tree with my girlfriend went to a bar there were two dudes with parrots yeah so oh, i'm my, sorry I, think, uh, no in new york, new york city we have snakes oh yeah they, i've seen the guys with snakes too not in public though in public, yeah, yeah, in public, oh, yeah. They, they, just, they just carried them around and like and like and charge people to take pictures or to pet their snake. And I, I mean, it's, it's 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 a thing that they do. I didn't know you guys had pirates in you know California. That's that's the, that's kind of cooler. <laughs> this is why people hate the coast, right? Like, <laughs> like, like if you want to be quirky in you know ninety five percent of the country, you just have to carry your dog around with you instead of leaving them at the house. But y'all motherfuckers got snakes and parrots. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, no. Everybody carries around their dogs on the yeah. coast. That's boring as hell. It's like uh, when you when you come to one of the coasts, it's like Hawaii. They just put a snake around your shoulders when you get off the plane. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the new East Coast West Coast beef: snakes versus parrots. <laughs> um, so you know what? You've always been a horror fan, and I, I went on this weird tangent about the guys that have parrots. But yeah, you're, you're right. Like, if you say your favorite genre is is horror movie, like people think you're a fucked up weirdo. And it's sad because you can really, really, really love fake violence while hating real violence. It's not; these are not mutually exclusive concepts. Like, the, the, there's nothing that makes me more uncomfortable than uh, watching a video of someone getting actually mutilated versus a pretend one. I mean, I'm able. I think it comes from, like, an inability to separate fantasy from reality. Uh, give me torture porn over actual torture. <laughs> like, well, but, And that's the kind of thing I enjoy about horror, right? Like, getting to why, you know, we enjoy horror movies so much is because it, it helps you deal with your own fears, like, in a perfectly, you know, safe way. So if you're watching a slasher film and just everybody dies at the end, that kind of helps you with the catharsis of your fears of your own mortality or your your fears of violence or your uh, fears of any uh, you know anything like disease or uh, even mental illness. There are a lot of uh, tons of horror films that deal with that as well. So that's why horror, I feel, is like the, like the purest form of like cinema because it is so visceral and it gets at you at your core. Really good horror like gets at you in a way that I don't think most other genres really can. Oh, definitely. And I think that, you know, horror has a rich tradition, you know, tracing all the way back. I mean, there's things that scare you as a form of entertainment, but horror as sort of a genre has a rich tradition that goes all the way back to, I would say, like the gothic era of literature, right? So like this reaction to the enlightenment, this reaction to this sort of, you know, influx of rationality in various forms of media. And I think that you hit the head nail on the head, right? What, like horror provides, I think, one of the best vehicles, good horror, right? You know, 
considerate horror provides some of the best vehicles for uh cogent cultural critique right so i mean Mm -hmm. in some ways they are political like you know horror more than any other genre has to in order to be successful be able to tap into the things that people find innately frightening uh and those things are often related to you know just everyday life uh i mean uh what People have always drawn the sort of, you know, that weird kind of connection between when Republicans are in office, people, you know, zombie movies are popular. And when Democrats are in office, like vampire stuff is more popular or something of that long. I don't know if that's true. Isn't uh, it the other way around? It might Correct be. Correct me if I'm wrong. It, might, it, it definitely might be because I've never believed that sort of theory. Uh, uh-huh. But I think that, you know, there is something to be said about people using you know, different subgenres of horror as vehicles to, you know, just critique, you know, either mindless consumerism or the aristocracy, right? So vampires as being a critique of the aristocracy as blood-sucking parasites and, you know, uh, zombies as being a critique of capitalism as people being transformed into mindless consumers. Yeah, so, uh, like, somebody, and I think it was in our Discord chat, kind of blew my mind about Dracula, because it takes place during the Victoria era, and they basically said, like, you know, that book is really about, you know, uh, British people being afraid that a bunch of swarthy, um, rich foreigners Hmm. come to their country and and fuck all their virgins. (laughs) So... (laughs) And, like, on that level, yeah, like, it's very obvious that that's a fear that was running through that society, and horror dealt with that. But then you look at our modern movies, like something like They Live, which is the first movie uh, on our 31 Days of Horror Mm -hmm. list. I mean, it's it's very explicit. It's a fear of basically, uh, you know, late capitalism, like society. Mm coming under control where like corporations and governments are just one thing they're basically um, controlling us 24 7 in ways that we don't even realize and it's interesting because the line between late capitalism and techno serfdom is getting thinner and thinner and thinner so something like a vampire story really actually meshes well with they live because it comes from the same place of anxiety the idea that your autonomy is being taken away from you and your destiny is being you know picked and chosen and advanced by sick people <laughs> like yeah. you know if you were working on the fields in the 1700s and the count came down and said uh you you're gonna be mine now come on and they just plucked you up you didn't really have a choice you'd have to say goodbye to your family and friends forever if you had kids if you had a spouse too bad you're you're going in the castle to i don't know <laughs> Like, uh, to, to shave them every day? Who even fucking knows? You, they can do whatever they want with you. It, yeah. It, no, uh, go ahead. I was saying, they live adds in that sort of extra little layer of, you know, aliens, right? That, like, mm-hmm, whatever the mm-hmm. beings in they live are. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen Day Live, uh, you should. It's a, it's a great movie. Like, one of the best ever. Mm. Yeah, definitely one of the best ever. And if it... I know some people probably disagree that it's horror, but I think that, yeah, it, it classifies as horror because it is, like, a very, very cogent and frightening critique of, you know, consumer, you know, consumerism, late-stage capitalism, but it also, you know, has this extra element of alienation, right? That the people who are, con- you know, are controlling our minds are somehow inherently different from us. Like, they, mm-hmm. like they're, they're not of the same species, you know? You could even say of it some sort of, uh, you know make a sort of connection between the, the bourgeoisie being a different species from the proletariat like it's an entirely like we're not even the same innate being and so that, that's how alien they are and that's how you know how or rather how uh 
how far removed from us that they actually are mm-hmm. by nature of their wealth and their you know their empathy for us. I, I was going to say that you know you were talking about like whether or not you consider they live to be a horror movie, and I, I guess I would say that I, I do consider it a horror movie. Uh, uh, Except maybe you can make the argument for that it's a documentary movie. <laughs> I mean, it straddles the line with thriller. I feel like it's it's almost the same argument with Get Out, where it's like the concept is scarier than the execution, but the execution is so much fun mm-hmm. that the spooky concept sticks with you and chills you to the bone, regardless of, you know, the 12-minute fight scenes or the... It is I mean, the best yeah. part. It is, which is like not really a staple of horror, but at the same time, Carpenter has always been a, a, a genre bender, mm-hmm. and he's always had an understanding that like what scares us isn't isn't just the unknown, but it's it, you know the control of our, our ourselves. And and he talked a lot about how because over the last couple of years, there's been a lot of alt right dickheads who have been trying to compare. Uh, they live to like the globalist Jewish conspiracy, and he had to go on the record and say like, "No, look, these are we're talking about yuppies here. We're talking about Wall Street. We're not fucking talking about Jews." And uh, it's it's interesting because that's the 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 sort of the, the 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 creature that lords above us, whether it's a vampire, whether it's an alien, you know, whether it's the machines in the Matrix. <laughs> like their one goal is to sustain themselves on on our blood, basically. Yeah. I, I was going to say that I think the scariest character in They Live is actually the uh, homeless guy who's at like the award show. At oh, the the, the, like, the preacher, yeah, the, the sellout, preacher, right? The sellout, yeah. He is the character that like strikes me as the most real and the most like bone chilling, and I and I and I really love that actually because I, I do think it kind of like points to sort of like how arbitrary it is uh, uh whether you're part of you know the uh, uh money elite or uh the nothing people you know what i mean like uh anyone could be part of either class all it takes is to like put money in their pocket and put a suit on their body oh no yeah i definitely agree with that mentality so like in my other life when i'm not being a personal trainer and you know I am also a PhD candidate, and funny enough, I did write one of my part of my master's thesis on horror movies. And John Carpenter, you know, and you are correct in the sense that like a big part of horror is the loss of agency, right? Mm-hmm. As, like, as a blowback to the idea of like, well, human beings aren't in control of everything. No, we are in control of our faculties. We're not only are we in control of ourselves, but we're in control of our society, our faculties, our in, in the environment, all these other sort of like we just have total control over everything and so you know whether you're talking about they live as being you know a commentary on how capitalism is a way for us to lose that agency or stuff just like i don't know the thing as Mm. being like this you know larger critique on identity and the loss of agency and you know just alienation in that sense also on the list by the way that's a it should have been higher that's a great movie well the list is not an order yeah it's Uh. not best to worst (laughs) by any means it's just a day (laughs) Yeah, we just have a whole month. Yeah, um, it's until thirty-one <laughs> days here. Uh, I, I assume that you know, because it, it's a numbered list, it must be in order. That's like that's some that's some dairy dash shit. You guys have a numbered list that has, it, it, it lends itself to like a hierarchy. Uh, I can't do that. I can't no. pick favorites. There's too much stuff to pick a favorites anymore. All right, speaking right? of, you know what? Who? What, what's your favorite horror movie of all time, JDB? Oh fuck, I don't know. Uh, 
Ah, uh, yeah, Birdemic. Fucking Jesus, stop. Don't do, I'm just fucking with you. I can't pick favorites. I'm literally, legitimately, there are 31 movies on this list, and all of them are so good. I've been going through them all over the month. I guess my favorite movie on the list would, you know, it would probably either be Dead Alive or maybe, 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 uh, Raw. Although Raw is new. And I saw Raw last year, and that's really stuck with me. I saw it in theaters at Sundance, and like, uh, it it was just just blew my mind in a way that uh, a horror movie hadn't done in quite a few years. Oh, that's that's cool because it's on Netflix. So everybody listening to this, if you Raw's on Netflix now, you got to check it out. It's about a uh, it's about a, a vegan uh, it's about a vegan girl in veterinary school who uh, joins with her older sister, and she has to eat uh, an animal liver. I believe a pig's liver as part of her initiation, and she develops an insatiable hunger for human flesh. Uh, it's really funny, it's really violent, and uh, it's about family. Yeah, I gotta be honest with you, that sounds like half of the like the Tinder profiles I read for women who live in Bushwick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's just just adding like hot yoga, and you're like, oh yeah, this I. So, Jack, so uh, yeah. what's your favorite uh, horror movie? You know, that's a really difficult question because there's a lot that I, like, you know, uh, have a real place in my heart for, um, you know, like, I love, I, it's on the list here. I think Day of the Dead is my favorite of the sort of of the dead trilogy uh, of Romero's movies. Um, and, and, and I really don't, I really can't really quantify why. Just that there, I, I think that maybe, and this is not even my favorite horror movie of all time, but I, I think that there's something interesting you know, and this is such a common theme in horror uh, uh, about you know that the people are really the villain in that in, in that movie. Like the the zombies don't really even appear until the third act. Um, I mean, they're in they're there in the beginning, uh, but then when they pop back up, you know, uh, uh, there's just some of the most sort of gruesome you know practical effects you've ever seen in your life. Uh, but yeah, I, I like the middle of that movie because it's kind of just about like scientists and uh, uh, and army guys just being in like a fight with each other in like an underground yeah. bunker. I mean, it reminds strikes me as being the most realistic outcome of an yeah. apocalypse. It's just a bunch of dorks and a bunch of army guys like getting in yelling fights with each dorks other versus jocks. The, yeah. Yeah. That's the real core battle. That's the, the the eternal struggle is dorks versus jocks. It's like a better version of that season one finale. The season one finale of the walking dead too where like they all show up to the cdc this is like a way better version of like a pretty similar story yeah i mean just the idea that they sort of had been living there it feels lived in it feels real i I really like day of the dead my favorite horror movie i i I don't know if i could like necessarily put it up there but that's one that i have a real deep place in my heart for um so that's the one i'll be talking about for these last few minutes and by the way thank thank you l for introducing me to dagon that's another one of my new favorites holy shit that was a, a thrill. I mean, if you've played Resident Evil 4, you must see this movie because they stole it. I think I think we already said this, but I don't remember if... Oh, no, uh, we, lost the we lost an episode. We lost the audio. Okay. Dagon, yeah, that's right. We're, we're doing this again. We talked about doing a 31 Days of Horror episode. We actually recorded one. I uh, I grabbed a, a uh, tacos and ice cream with Corman's Inferno. A uh, great guy named Tim, and he said, "Hey, where's the 31 Days of Horror episode?" So we fucked up, we lost the audio. So now we're doing it. We're making it up to you, the listeners. We appreciate it. <laughs> and Brandon, I'm I'm sorry you have to be along for the ride. <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. I, I, I go in every podcast. I go. In, I do like I'm like the uh, 
the like the Nicolas Cage of podcasts and radio performances. It's like, hey, you want to be on TYT? Whatever, man. Want to be on? <laughs> <laughs> so you write for Progressive Arby, correct? Yeah, I do. When I can, you know, writing is a very emotional thing for me. So when I can like summon the strength to write, I write. Uh, mostly, I just do like I do a lot of editing and I do a lot of podcasting stuff. So uh, video appearances. So I, but I'm trying to get more back into writing. Wow. Try and get yeah, whatever. That's that's a fine sentence. Don't don't look too hard. It's okay. It. It's no, okay. you're safe so, here. So um, I would say that um, my favorite horror movie is probably The Thing, uh, and it mm. might be my favorite movie. Period. Um, I just feel like that movie is just like a perfectly made movie. There's like not one wasted second of it. Mm-hmm. Like it's the craft really more than the, necessarily the story. Or the theme, because like a lot of people have made that movie, like they just they they, they make it they make that movie almost every other year, right? Basically, yeah, the, right. You get trapped in a thing, or you know, sorry, you get trapped in, in a in a remote place. There's a monster. It picks everyone off one by one. It's not, it's not the story. It's not the plot. It's the it's the characters. Yeah, it's the characters. It's the like the tone, the, 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 the mood, the, the mood, the tone. It's all just so perfect and it's just so there's so much tension there and the special and the effects are just so real like so visceral like yeah the monster is insane like you believe it's real like there's no doubt about it like that's something we've lost the past few years because of cgi and uh, Mm. the monsters our monsters aren't real anymore the one exception being the void which is also on the list and takes a lot from the thing, and everyone should see because the monsters are real in that too. So I, uh, I like I don't I don't think I really need to talk about the thing. I think anybody who is even casually into horror right. already Has knows the thing or... and loves it. So, uh, but my probably my second favorite movie on here is probably um, Dagon, uh, mm. because like um, because like I, I'm glad that a lot of people discover this film because a lot of people know the work of Stuart Gordon because he did reanimator, which is a very great classic horror film. But like, I think this was like his masterpiece because he, he does a lot of HP Lovecraft stuff. This is probably his closest, uh, one of his closer, uh, direct adaptations. And it's just so like, like it's just so it's fucked brutal. Up. It's brutal. It's so it's fucked fucking up. brutal. Like he usually has a pr- a very good sense of humor throughout the film. He kind of lets that go here, and what he comes up with is just so fucking fucked up and disturbing that like it's a horror movie that will really like stick with you. Yeah, I mean, I I was uh, first of all, I was surprised that how similar the plot of Resident Evil Four is to this game. How much that they that they aped from this film, or at least from the Lovecraft story it was based on. Uh, the townspeople taken over by uh, the cult of Dagon were fucking terrifying. And watching these characters try to scramble for their lives as, as this entire sort of seaside fishing resort was just consumed with this this demonic presence was unbelievable. And, and even though it was low budget... Uh, the the effects were practical and they were scary. It, there was a very little. The CGI was absolutely minimal. Like the horror was purely. I mean, for the most part, there's a few tentacles, but for the most part, the horror was purely through the 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 cruelty and and, and the the sadism of of the worshippers of Dagon. Uh, and Brandon, I can't. Uh, was this your first time seeing it? I've seen Dagon. I've seen I've. 
So Dagon, like, when did it come out? I must have seen it at least a decade ago. Oh, wow. Like, I, I, I've... It's I'm, like a 15-year-old movie. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dagon. I, I show all my friends Dagon because oh, cool. of the one scene where he fucks the mermaid. Uh, <laughs> and then he, he sees her he sees her uh, her her tentacles and he yeah. freaks out and runs off. It's just like like that's a that's a damning critique of like men not paying attention to women during sex. It's just like, <laughs> she, was like a, she was basically Ursula from the Little Mermaid, and then he's just, like until after he had already like you know finished. Like whoa, but like I, you have eight legs. And he thought his wife was dead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I have to say that tentacle woman, she was super super hot. And I oh, yeah, feel she's like gorgeous. if you were like a ten-year-old and you ran across this movie, this would give you uh, a couple of fetishes. Fear uh, boners. Weird, <laughs> weird boners. Weird. Hashtag weird. Hashtag weird boners. Don't at me. I, I, I wonder if this, is, this movie is where tentacle porn came from. Uh, no, oh, no, you've been to Japan, L. <laughs> You, you know, know better. But the thing is, like, uh, H.P. Lovecraft is huge in Japan, so, like, he may actually be the inspiration. Like, maybe not this movie, but the short stories uh, around it may be the inspiration. I'm, not, I'm just saying, I'm just putting it out there. It might be possible. I think, as the, as the scholar here, I think I can, you can, <laughs> I, I'm willing to stake my reputation that that tentacle porn goes all the way back to the Meiji era. Uh, I'm, like, I'm, I'm scholar. Six, I'm 69. Per- I, I spent a lot of time studying pornography. <laughs> but I, I do Tune in next me. week as we cover Uratsuka Doji. <laughs> uh, Legend of the Overfiend. So, uh, Burandon, what's your favorite horror movie? Uh, before I answer that question, I do want to say that I think you guys made a good point about uh, practical effects. Yes. And, uh, like, The Void, the, the, I wasn't the hugest fan of The Void, but the best part about it was the practical effects and they thing with Dagon. And it's not also just the, this might sound well, practical effects are one thing, but I think people don't really understand one of the, the the subtle truths about horror movies that the cheaper and grittier it is. It looks the, the scarier it actually is. Like, Mm. I think that there is this goal to make hyper polished (laughs) movies that doesn't necessarily blend well with like with horror as a genre. So you have like these super clean CGI films that you spend a lot of money on, but they just they're just you know they're just unable to actually scare you. When what you what you need is like a dude in a rubber suit and you know like, like with some like mud and shit thrown on yeah. him, and like that's like like that's scary. Yeah, and then you just like light it bad. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> these like modern movies, like it's just so bright. Everything's so fucking. Uh, everything bright. Everything looks you... like a goddamn episode of The Office. And also, the uh, <laughs> uh, every monster has like uh, there's like a goo on everything, like because it's easier to render things that are a little shiny. So like everything for like the last couple decades has just been like it looks like they're all like wearing like a condom or something like that. <laughs> Gotta cover everything in filth. Everything is like, 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 look at the yeah. new Evil, the Evil Dead remake. That was so good because everything was dirty. Or the Green Room, everything is dirty. It's great. Yeah, Green Room is great. Did you guys see Don't Breathe? By the way, did you see uh, same same guy who directed the Evil Dead remake? I really liked it. I liked it. I it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I thought Green Room was better. I mean, but it was a good. That was what was it? Two years ago it was really good for horror. Or was that last year? Gosh. Don't breathe. Uh, don't breathe. Yeah. yeah, don't breathe. With the last year, it came out like a, a month after uh, Lights Out, which I got, I got too confused because like they, you know. Had yeah, this... yeah, yeah. Oh no, that was last year, right? Yeah, last year around this time too, actually. It's been good. Like, there's like been a little bit of a resurgence in, in good horror, and uh, it's exciting to see. 
get gross horror. Oh, but to answer your question, first I want to, you know, lob a critique that you didn't say, what's your favorite scary movie? And, <laughs> That's true. Uh, <laughs> you know, we, we didn't have Scream on here. We, we, we considered it, but we, it just ended up uh, falling off for uh, something else. But everybody's seen Scream. We all know Scream. We love Scream. Scream's the best. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so I have the first scary movie. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I will definitely like. I'll try to pick something that's not on your list, but is just as good. Um, I really like anthology horror, so maybe mm. something like Creepshow. Oh, I Creep think Creepshow is a great movie, and Creep, so was Creepshow too, and so was like the unofficial sequel, uh, the Tales from the Dark Side movie. Yeah, uh, if, if you like anthology horror, you'll like Tales from the Hood on our list. That's a good one. <laughs> but I, I mean, oh, come on. He's seen it. Okay. <laughs> I, I've obviously seen Tales from the Hood, but I would also say uh, Trick or Treat by the same guy who did uh, Krampus is was also a really good anthology horror movie. Yeah, Trick or Treat was pretty good. That came out like six, seven years ago, and like, but it kind of disappeared. Um, it's after. been ten years. Crazy. Yeah, like nobody really talks about it anymore. I, I haven't seen it streaming anywhere. They're making a sequel. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. That's good. Yeah. It's pr- produced by Brian Singer. Uh-oh. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Problematic fave. But otherwise, I mean, I like Halloween. I think Halloween is like a perfect movie. I think the original Nightmare on Elm Street is a, a great movie. Yeah. Mm, I'm not a I'm not a big Friday 13th fan. Like I don't think that the Jason movies are as good as say Halloween or as uh um Nightmare on Elm Street before they got all weird. But uh it, it, they're, they're a lot of fun too, but I would say definitely Creepshow. Creepshow is probably my favorite horror movie. I like Freddy Krueger better than Jason, too. I feel like uh, Krueger is scarier because he does everything Jason does, but you're asleep. So he can just shift reality, take you. It's like it's like uh, he has the Inception powers. So uh, I, so Freddy, Jason, um, Michael Myers, I feel like, I, I have to say this, Pinhead blows all of them away. Like, like it's not even a contest. Like, the, I think the first two Hellraiser movies and, and even, like, the fourth one are, like, way better overall than any three of uh, Freddy's films or uh, Michael Myers' films. Uh, mm, uh-oh. That, oh, oh, that's... Um, so, like, no. Oh! <laughs> but, um, <laughs> fighting words. But, like, it's a different, like, so, Pinhead's a different kind of horror villain, right? Yeah. Like, he is, you can negotiate with Pinhead. You can, like, uh, you like you have to summon him to you. A little like, You can negotiate with him a little bit. He caught on to Kirsty's shit in the second movie. Didn't open the box. Didn't mean to open the box. Like, he caught on to her. He catches on to you eventually. I mean, I mean well, he's an agent of hell. It's it's hard to get more evil. <laughs> He's a, he's a sadomasochistic, like, I don't know, angel of... De- like, yeah, exactly, angel of hell. I, I will say, in the second movie, though, the doctor tricks the patient into opening the box, the, you know, the little mentally challenged, uh, uh, you know, a disabled girl. And, like, he's oh, like, yeah. oh, no, she, she, she didn't open the box. He did. And, then, like, and so I think that's interesting, but I don't think Hellraiser... Hellraiser or Hellraiser 2 are as good, but they're just so different as I would say Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and Nightmare on Elm Street 3 are. If you're looking for like, you know, you know movie direct sequel to that movie, because that has the exact same sort of plot where it's just like, okay, first movie is Kirstie, first movie is Nancy, second movie is Kirstie again with Hellraiser, and third movie is Nancy again as like, you know, like the Dream Warriors. Yeah. 
But that was the same thing with, uh, did Halloween 2 have Jamie Lynn Cur- Curtis, or did they not bring her back for for a while? Because I remember Halloween H2O, there was like a huge deal about how she's coming back. And now in the new Halloween they're making again, Jamie Lee Curtis is coming back, and they're ignoring Halloween H2O and all of the Halloweens previously to the, to the original one in the 70s. Actually, it's Halloween H20, as in, uh-huh. as in Halloween twenty years later. I think the trailer oh. said called it H two O. No, am I? I don't know. Adam ruins everything. Oh man. GDP. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, on the tangent, what did you guys think of the Rob Zombie Hollywood uh, Halloween duology? I liked the first one. I didn't really care about the second one as much, but I, I mean, I thought the first one was. I mean, it was it was more in line with you know obviously. House of a Thousand Corpses and Devil's Rejects. It was less of a Halloween movie and more of like a spiritual successor to those. But I like that shit. I like Rob Zombie's very fucking twisted, like almost like ICP show meets <laughs> like ICP show meets like 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 hell carnival. Yeah, like, it's very like Halloween horror nights. All the yeah, like, his, his rides. Yeah, I mean his his like, films do feel kind of like theme park rides. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I really like the first one. The second one really lost me, especially with like the white horse scene from Blade Runner just showing up. No, it didn't make any fucking sense. I don't even know why that was there. I don't know why half of the things that happened in that movie happened. I guess happened. it means that Michael Myers is a replicant. Um, <laughs> I think like the, the more you... Sorry. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, the first. more you try to get to know, like, the origin of these demonic presences t- killing everybody, like, the more you try to get into the history, the more you try to go deeper into their past, like, the lamer it is, because, like, you don't really actually want to know that much about, like, you know, what life was like for Freddy Krueger before he got, like, death hands. I don't care. All I know is he... I don't care what happened when he had a normal face. Like, yeah, that's the least interesting part about Freddy Krueger. Like, I don't give a shit about what Michael Myers' favorite cereal was when he was like a chubby little boy. <laughs> like, that's really what it is. Like, let's, 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 you know, that's what Halloween the remake was. And unfortunately, I, I'm a big Rob Zombie fan. So I would go so far. If you haven't seen Lords of Salem, that movie mm. he made with his wife, because all his movies are just made with his wife. Yeah, with uh, Sherry Sher- Moon, sure. Sher- Sherry Moon Zombie. You should go out and see because I like Lords of Salem. I would say I like Lords of Salem more than I like The Witch. Like that movie. Wow, was, wow like, was, that's huge. Like I, I, I think I think it was like the, it was similar in sort of themes, but I think it was you know handled in a much more like gritty way. But the first half of Hollow, the Halloween remake, is just ruins the Halloween. It ruins Michael Myers. Like you just see like this little kid spazzing out, like it having you know, various uh, family troubles. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a PSA about like uh, a family counseling, and then it's then like he just becomes then like the second half is just a shot for shot remake of Halloween. Yeah, because like the first in the first Halloween movie, Michael Myers is just like some crazy guy. Like that's it. That's all you know about him. But like, and he shows is like is a real nightmare. Is like, hey, what if you live, you know, within ten miles of an insane asylum, and a guy got out? That's basically right. what Halloween is, and like. How would you, if you're just uh, walking around trick-or-treating, you know, uh, going out with your boyfriend, like, what would you do in that situation when that cre- when that person gets out of the asylum and starts stabbing people to death? And 
by having that complex, you know, backstory, like that interminable, like first half, like it really takes away from like a lot of what make made him scary in the first place. I did like the fact that like he was big, like he was huge, like the he got um, the former wrestler, um, I forget his name, like Tyler Maine, I think is his name. Like he used to be a wrestler and he played Sabretooth. I like the fact that he was big as fuck and like could throw people through walls. But other than that, like he did, uh, I feel like the movie did not really capture like the same creepiness uh, factor of just like some guy who always wears a mask and just stabs people for fun well yeah but i felt that same way about devil's rejects like i wasn't really scared by that movie i was extremely entertained but i never and i was grossed out a lot and i was like oh that's a fucking ugly image but at no point did i i feel like palpable anxiety or fear It, it was more like it's a lot of shock and it's a lot of like giggling at like fucked up shit yeah, but it's, it, it's more it, of a, like a crime movie than like a. It's a guilty movie. pleasure, yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, like uh, Carpenter knows how to scare the shit out of you, and that's the Carpenter knows how to uh, really get into the anxieties of uh, of society and also the rot within it. And I think that's what makes his uh, his work so special. Like Escape from New York is scary, scary as shit, and it's not a horror movie. And uh, but you just uh, when you see like what's happening to the city and you see everyone or even like assault on precinct 13 when that fucking seven year old girl gets shot in the head when she's ordering ice cream. That's not a horror movie, but that's terrifying. I mean, the have you? I just love John Carpenter as a person, though. Like, have you read his interviews like recently about how he's just like, I love when people remake my movies. Like, fuck them, just keep giving me checks. It's like, <laughs> like, just keep, like, like, I'm an old man now. Give me money. Just give me, give me more money. I need, I need to spend. I need to spend, man. It's the most recent interview I saw with him was he said he was getting really into Destiny Two. Did you guys see that? <laughs> He was like, I was like, I'm gonna get really good at the video game, and they're like, isn't it hard? He's like, yeah, it's really hard. That's why I'm gonna like well, play it a lot to get good at it. <laughs> he doesn't direct because his eyesight's fucked up, right? And his eyesight get fucked up, and I was just focusing on music, or, I'm not, or is he just he can't get his shit financed sure. anymore? I, I'm not sure why he uh, like took a step back from directing, but I, I do know like he got really into gaming and really into music and his music is awesome like he yeah is, i mean he composes all of his films yeah his, he scores them yeah, like his scores have always been great but like yeah. he's a legitimate fantastic musician even though his songs are always like really simple they're really like mm. evo- evocative like he can do more with like maybe like four keys on the keyboard than most people can do with a whole or- orchestra i feel well, uh, although the okay. thing had enrico maricone which was incredible i don't know how he pulled it off <laughs> I mean, he scored. He scored a uh, Halloween like on site. Like he didn't write the music down. Like he like he was just like watching the wow. scene as it played out. As, as, if I'm remembering this correctly, he just started, that's why I, I mean it's simple, obviously. But that sort of like ho- the classic Halloween theme was just like scored as he was watching it. He was just like playing it, and like it just came to him or some like you know ridiculous savant shit that like, that's John Carpenter has. Uh, I did want to say that I did want to talk about since I have you here, and I would and you know I just. It's your show, but I'm going to take over. Oh, please do. Like, please. Uh, like, take the wheel, my friend. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. No, uh, <laughs> no uh, bad, like, good, bad horror movies. Like, this is one of my... I, I do love me some, like... Because you mentioned Bird Dimmick earlier, which I thought that was a romantic comedy. Uh, but well, it was an environmentalist film. It was, it was a, about nature. <laughs> the PETA, it was a PETA film. It was actually... 
It's actually a, you know, Peter propaganda. But there are some great, good, bad horror movies that people need to see if they want to, like, really be, like, genre fans. And one of them is Birdemic. Another one is Troll 2, which mm. I think is great. That's technically a horror movie. Kind of. Even though it's, you know, not very scary and there are, in fact, no trolls in Troll 2. <laughs> they're, they're all goblins. Uh, there is Garbage Day, though. Oh, no, that was from Silent Night, Deadly Night. I fucked yeah, up. That's from Silent Night, Deadly Night. Uh, but, uh, you know, little known fact about Troll 2, the, the, the goblins in Troll 2, uh, at least, you know, I was made aware of this by InfoWars, are meant to represent the Jewish, glo- <laughs> the Jewish globalist conspiracy. <laughs> and, like, the, the green, the, I don't know, the green shit they're feeding you is the, what, the uh, Zionism. It's a, it's, a, it's, a very, it's a very complex metaphor for... Alex uh, Jones loves horror films, too. He, like, always talks about them. Is that true? I didn't know that. Well, he had like he did a whole special on Alien Covenant and Prometheus and the link between the New World Order and the engineers. <laughs> oh, like and he and and it was clearly not product placement. He just did it because he cared. Like I don't think any studio, I mean maybe maybe the studios yeah, maybe. are going, "Hey Alex, why don't you, uh, you know, we'll do a little sponsored content deal. You talk about the globalists and how that relates to Michael Fassbender talking about fingering flutes and uh, <laughs> we just want you to do uh, we want you to do in your voice, Alex. So <laughs> just mention Covenant um, and say whatever you want around it. Covenant was... I liked it when I saw it and the more I thought about it, the, it kind of fell apart in my brain. I have stopped I thinking. I have not thought about it since I left the theater, so it's good. I still like it. <laughs> I, I, I think I still like... I like Covenant and I even like Prometheus more in retrospect. I, I think that like... There's a lot of good Ridley Scott stuff in Prometheus, but a lot of bad Damon Lindelof stuff in Prometheus, too. Uh, So if you can just sort of, like, you know, put on, like, a Lindelof filter as you watch the movie, uh, uh, there's a good movie in there. I I just don't understand. I I like Prometheus. I think I like Prometheus more than, like, Covenant, because Covenant was kind of just, like, no weird like, like it like it got rid of all of the weird parts of prometheus but in that way it felt like a lot safer yeah. that's what and i didn't like, understand they set up all this shit and then tossed it away no but they go to that like the engineer planet and shit it's I mean, cool that's crazy death shit goo on them sorry but, sorry I, I was gonna say like you know but prometheus and, and alien covenant like are a good example of what we were talking about before like it's over explaining something that no one cared to yeah. know anything mm. else about it's just like no one like an alien is another good you know horror movie and there is a dearth of like sci-fi horror that's only really filled by event horizon which is mm-hmm. also on your list yes and, like dracula 2000 with coolio uh <laughs> that's another great movie we should have given yeah, i never saw to. dracula 2000 i guess i gotta watch it <laughs> those are the only two sci-fi horror movies uh dracula 2000 and event horizon okay, hey, we got pitch back we got pitch black on our list that's dope okay. oh yeah pitch black also another good movie that's a uh, sci-fi horror um pandorum Pandorum is very. You no, know, I never watched it. Yeah, my, I wife, seen that one. my wife told me it was bad, so I didn't watch it. I was kind of stoked by it. So my wife lied to me. Um. And I seen it twice. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Like it's a, it's a pretty good movie. Um, but no, like it, it's why. Like I don't understand the point of Alien. I mean, Alien Covenant or Prometheus. Like who was really did really did Ridley Scott really want to expand upon the origin of the Xenomorphs in that way? Because like what made them so you know. What made them so uh, scary was that they were so alien, that they were so, you know, like they were so invasive right. and they did what, you know, they did again with the whole thing and you, the whole thing, like body horror aspect of yeah. it. Yeah, I think there is also like, there, you know, there, like, like when it comes to like the engineer, right, when they meet, when they meet the engineer in um, Alien, 
Like, that's one of the most, like, mind-blowing scenes you'll see in mm-hmm. any movie, right? You see mm-hmm. this massive being with no explanation. They have a huge ship, and they have all this shit. And then before you can really even think about that mystery, because, and it's like none of them are scientists, right? They're not, like, high-level mm-hmm. scientists. They're just, like, working-class folks. So, like, they're just, you know... They don't know where to even start looking for shit and, or trying to figure it out. And b- before they even have a chance, the guy gets a, a face huggered. So, like, I can understand the impetus to, like, go back to that image and try to, like, explain it. But I just feel like the way that they got there, it, like, there were some good things. I like the fact that the engineers were trying to wipe out humanity. <laughs> like, we were a mistake and they're trying to... Uh, <laughs> a, a racist i would actually i would have preferred if they were just trying to wipe us out just because as opposed to them creating us and then because that doesn't really make any sense when it comes to evolution because i mean we're related to all these other animals like did they like start with, like when they dropped their dna in the ocean like did they start with like the little mouse like the first mammal which is like a little mouse or something and then wait like millions and billions of years to get the humans or did they just create the humans? engineer the engineers are like what the fuck the mouse turned into a human <laughs> yeah yeah like oh well, that would be like if that they had that scene in covenant that would be nice <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I, I understand the impetus to go there, but I feel uh, like that's a different film, basically. It's like it's not an alien film anymore when you're delving into that mystery. I mean, I just feel like Prometheus, and I've never heard this said by anyone else, but so, I, but if someone else made this, you know, this analogy, uh, that I didn't steal it. It's my own original idea. I came to it independently. <laughs> don't, don't, don't sue me. Like, uh, Prometheus is just Blade Runner told again, but through aliens. Like it wow. really is just that exact. Huh. It really is just those exact same themes about creating life, oh, wow. about humanity, about like the inability to create life. I mean, basically, I just I just saw Blade Runner twenty forty nine. It's like it, like it really is just Blade Runner, but also aliens. Like it's, it's a mix mash of his of his two you know most popular franchises, but like it's less about the themes of Alien than it is about the themes of Blade Runner. And so, like, it makes you, a lot of the parts of Alien that take place within Prometheus feel tacked on when the story is just, like, Blade Runner, but, like, Alien, but with aliens, you know, with the situation where it's just, like, the replicants are essentially just trying to get to know their creators. And, like, it, but it's, like, it's that same human, what is humanity? Where do we come from? What is our purpose? What, you know, all these, like, similar themes that you would see in something like Blade Runner. And, like, so, like, the alien parts just feel alien to the movie yeah. they feel yeah. they feel tacked on i agree and i think that that was even worse in covenant uh i almost kind of wish it's the problem with sea boots the sequel reboot you have to like reestablish the lore while also constantly calling back to it at the same time yeah. it's not that fucking interesting like i kind of would have been happier with prometheus and covenant kind of just being like a weird offshoot alternate timeline or yeah just an all new thing altogether if he wants to explore these ideas because yeah i agree with you that it's like in Covenant when it's like trying to straddle the line between, you know, uh, alien horror movie and then also, you know, exploring the idea of what if an AI was to create a, a, a life form. Um, these, these you know, uh, uh, themes maybe uh, aren't complementary. I mean, they made it, I don't know, but they weren't complementary in that particular movie. Like, I think they right. just, they felt, <laughs> they, they felt very, it looks like a very jarring switch. Like, you couldn't have a more jarring switch if you, like, spliced in, what, like, 
10 minutes of human centipede into like the Care Bear movie. It was just a very jarring juxtaposition between two things that necessary that didn't complement each other at that particular point in time. Uh, but, you know, there have been a lot of good horror movies recently. Alien Covenant wasn't one of them. I enjoyed Lights Out. I enjoyed Get Out. I saw It. Uh, that was yeah, what do you think of It? Something. I thought that the worst parts of It were the scary parts, and the best parts were when it was just Stand By Me. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the worst? I have that problem sometimes. With, I, I actually have that problem with Hostel, the movie, uh, that movie, where it's like... It's fun watching them backpack. Yeah, like when it's like, <laughs> like I, I sometimes have that problem where I'm like, ah, oh, I wish like the backpacking movie was just happening. I like their story of going to Europe and stuff. Like, I guess I feel kind of similarly about it. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, maybe it would be nice to just do one of these kind of like Spielberg homages where there's like not a monster. Well, but it's I, just I, about life growing up. I, I, uh, I really would have liked to see Kerry Fukunaga's it. I think it would have been extremely interesting. They fired him. He would have done the uh, that scene in the sewer. I don't think he would have done the scene in the sewer. I don't think that was... An, I think no matter what... I don't know if Stephen King remembers writing that scene. He was on probably so many fucking drugs. No, he says he actually but, does not remember writing it, but he, he he has the feeling like, well, I was just, you know, what he was thinking... He He's, he, he, he's kind of piecing together and he kind of says well i was i think i was just thinking about what links you know childhood with adulthood and that would be you know gangbangs everyone coming in their friend at the same time <laughs> i mean listen guys if you got you got you know what happens in the sewer stays in the sewer like, I, mean, I, I think it's i think it's worth mentioning that the, the book it isn't very good like yeah. the book it is like is an experimental like the book it is like the it's huge it's, it's Stephen so... king version of the house of leaves Again, like it is just a, like a mix match of like insane like drug fueled paranoia and yeah. like analogies, and, and so functionally, it's just the poor man's version of crazy clowns from outer space. Yeah, that, you know what? That actually, I was going to talk about that when you're talking about bad horror movies because that is killer clowns. That's both, yeah, killer clowns. That's both like my favorite bad horror movie, and that also is like the first horror movie where I was like, I want to see this horror movie. It wasn't the one that like just happened to be on TV. I saw like I made my parents order it on pay per view so I could uh-huh. watch it, and I was terrified by it because it's it was the commercial was not nearly as creepy as the movie actually ended up being yeah. where they were wrapping them up in the cotton candy and then they were like biting when they like bite into the cotton candy and it would be all bloody and shit like that movie like did something to me terrible it didn't make me afraid of clowns i'm sure it did some other kind of really deep uh damage to me yeah it's it's one of those movies that like you think it's gonna be oh this is gonna be funny this is gonna be not that yeah. scary it's it's a horror but like there'll be enough laughs so that I can I can handle it it's PG thirteen and then they're just so fucking freaky looking yeah you know I might get stuck when, in your head my dad when I was growing my dad does special effects and when I grew up he knew the guys that did that movie the Kyoto Brothers so I, when I was a kid I got to like go to their like studio and I saw all those killer clowns from outer space and I gotta say like remembering them in my actual real memory they're fucked up and scary looking yeah. like yeah. they did a really fucking good job over there because yeah, that's like that's practical effects they, like they were they were yep. beautifully done they looked very alien uh but i will you know this is like a low-key like you know pro tip the best worst horror movie is a movie called things and if you haven't mm. seen things it's a it's a night it's a movie made by this one dude whose last name is gillis so i can't remember i think it's from the 80s and it's been recently released on on blu-ray dvd it is 
perhaps the worst movie ever made by anybody. Because a lot of these movies that you talk about, like Troll 2 and Birdemic and The Room and like all these, and I guess even Troll 3, that like are so bad they're good. This thing, Things makes uh, The Room look like Schindler's List. Oh my god, <laughs> like, I'm in, looking this up right now. Production quality and in like coherence. It is, like, it is, it is, it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece of bad movies, and I just think that everyone should that everyone should be exposed to things before they die. And if it's what kills you, then you are one of the lucky few. <laughs> so there, there's like a like I'm looking up things right, mm. and like it was a VHS like tape, right? Like I feel like there's a like there's a lot of like horror movies that were on VHS and then now are just like gone, like don't exist anymore because no one really preserved it nobody kept the original film and nobody oh, makes me sad and nobody's really saving it like i like i was just watching uh this kind of bad this pretty bad movie is like enter the gateway or something it's about like this uh dude's uh father owned a vhs tape shop and he disappears and he has to go and clean it out but that's just, and it's just seeing all those vhs tapes like you feel i feel really nostalgic for it but like i know like probably you know 40 percent of those movies never got put out on dvd and they're not going to show up on any streaming service like even like big movies now like you can't find them on stream like a lot of our lists like 31 days of horror like a lot of this stuff is just not really available like anywhere some like some of these movies you can't even pay like to rent so i feel- yeah you have to torrent or pirate because it's no one's wants to make money off of it anymore so you like I feel you like know, horror is probably going to be hit more than any other genre when it when you know we get fully digitized where it comes to like m- films just not existing anymore. It's it's okay. a weird thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 I was gonna say I, I agree because I think that you know VHS the VHS era was like the the pinnacle of horror films. And, like, there is something special about, you know, putting the tape in, sitting around with your, like, you know, with your friends and watching something that you, like, either you bought the tape of, you rented from Blockbuster, or, like, you recorded uh. when it was on. You you happened to sit down and record all three two-hour-long episodes of The Langoliers by Stephen King, and, like, now it's time to rewatch it. Uh, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we're having a horror resurgence right, right now. Because I do think that prior to, say, I don't know, maybe ten years ago, like, there was, like, a... a amount of time where someone had convinced you know hollywood and also the gaming industry too that horror just wasn't horror just was not uh money maker because it, like horror you know by nature of being horror is uh it's a niche thing uh and people wanted to make a hundred you know if, if your movie wasn't making a billion dollars at you know at the overseas market if your if your game wasn't selling a trillion copies like it wasn't worth making and so th- you know things like dead space things like uh franchises never really got you know their chant their shot in the sun and so uh. i'm glad people are finally starting to realize that hey you know what uh it may not make say uh you know a hundred million dollars i mean a hundred million dollars is, po- is possible like a billion dollars in china because that's really what it is like i mean yeah. I, no, 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 racist, no 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 racist it, I meant it no, no it's but. not racist that like studios and production companies now have to actively censor their international releases for the chinese market that's not racist like you to get oh, no, chinese true. money to make a movie and to release it in china you have to go through cultural boards you have to go through tests it's an extremely excruciating process and it has led to like 
a lot of movies being more boring because they're being censored for China and then being released. Yeah. It the, sucks. The, Somebody, it has, it's not racist. It has helped some movies. Like, I think it made Transformers better because they had a complete side <laughs> Oh, in the fourth one? With Stanley <laughs> Tucci. Like, he had his own, like, mini film where he was, like, a, a hero with, like, two of uh, China's biggest stars. That <laughs> yeah. massively improved that movie. Wait. Wait, I, I want to change my answer. Transformers 4 is my favorite horror movie because watching it almost literally killed me. <laughs> oh, man. I actually do want to see... Uh, I do, too. I do want to see the... I saw the fourth one. I want to see The Lost, the Last Night because it's it's Transformers with Mark Wahlberg carrying a sword and Optimus Prime and King Arthur's time. It looks absolutely bananas, and I haven't seen it yet. My favorite scene in the fourth one is when the people of Hong Kong, uh, like a Megatron is attacking Hong Kong along with like whatever other evil Transformers. And so the people of Hong Kong call upon mainland Beijing to bring them help, which is like at the same time there were massive protests going on where Hong Kong was trying to to break <laughs> off and, and get independent. And, well, it wasn't going to happen as long as Michael Bay was getting the, the cash. I was going to say that... Uh, uh, you know, I, I do think that horror has had a real resurgence, and I think it's really cool. Um, but that's why a movie like It actually does worry me a little bit. Because this is like a big blockbuster, like high-budget movie. And I want I worry that maybe like... Well, the Blumhouse model is not going anywhere. They make so right. much fucking profit making like these $4 million movies. Yeah. That like that model is. If anything, I'm just surprised the rest of the mainstream uh, movie industry hasn't adopted that model. Like, why there aren't like four million dollar comedies being made all the time? Why there aren't four million dollar like low budget action movies? And why we're not seeing like a resurgence in martial artist films? Like, I do understand that that fear because it is a blockbuster. I mean, it made over yeah. what half a bill, like half a billion dollars now. Yeah, at and this it's point. a big, expensive, you know, clean looking Warner Brothers movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. But it also is like a Stephen King adaptation, and yeah, he's he's such a he's, he's had this bizarre resurgence yeah, this year. Yeah, like he has tons of stuff. Like I can't even keep track. Like he's got TV shows, he's got a Netflix yeah. movie, he had like, Dark Tower, Hulu show. Yeah, it it feels like a nostalgia trap. It feels a little bit like all of the kids who grew up in the seventies and eighties loving the Stephen King movies. Uh, there are now members in, of like the one percent who are who just grew up with that I, shit. I, I also think it has to do with like you know almost everything now is just an existing IP, and if everything's just going to be mined from existing IP, like Stephen King probably has written forty percent of the writing in American writing, and so yeah. like of course like forty percent of the IP is going to be his stuff. I mean, I think Stephen King's like he, well, he is like a cultural icon when it comes to horror. Even yeah. though most of his books are like he's written approximately seventy thousand books, and like only twelve of them are, are good. <laughs> yeah, but he is, but like he all writes a books, lot though. He didn't remember like, writing Cujo. <laughs> I mean, but all of his books do have like those like typical horror tropes. Like he's a horror writer. Like he's a, an unabashedly horror right his books are horrifying like, like most of his books fall into like that, that that sort of category of what if this but scary it's just like <laughs> what if a hotel room but scary what if a clown but scary what if an airport but scary what if you know and also i mean stephen king did also write creep show and he also wrote like you know creep show too which was but i mean so i just i'm just a fan uh but uh so like his work is very you know it, it just speaks to that sort of like you know 
Edgar Allan Poe gothic yeah. literature like thing, and I think that that's fine. And I'm, I'm not even a, I'm not even a big I'm not even against the whole Blumhouse model of movies per se, because like I think that you know, like but for Blumhouse we wouldn't really have this modern resurgence oh. of horror because they proved that it was it was it's profitable. So, yeah, yeah it's profitable. So I mean like what like, what did we have really before? Let's say paranormal activity, right? What did we really have before that? It was like just saw. Total yeah. torture porn and like that and torture porn is what really kind of killed the genre well they you know, overdid it there were like 10 of them a year there were like nine saw movies like four hostile movies i remember i think the the final nail in the torture porn genre the coffin was probably the human centipede trilogy i think people were like we fucking get it like they're eating shit out of each other's assholes <laughs> like we get it I, I love the Blumhouse model, actually, and yeah, like you said, I think that they're you know over they're saving horror over there. Uh, uh, what worries me is just that yeah, I, I worry that the studios would be like, oh, like uh, these horror movies make money, we're going to be the only ones making them now. We're going to push everything else out. I, like my I thing mean, with Blumhouse is like I feel like half those movies are remake of the other half, right? Like oh, they are. So many <laughs> of them are just like they don't have anything really original and i feel i don't see why that should be the case like you don't need both insidious and um what's the other and oculus and you know sinister right like can can anyone explain, those are the same movies yeah, can, for sure no one can explain to me the difference between they all have ethan hawk well, as every character yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well i will say this like oculus i think was low-key a, a had a lot of potential i can't say a movie's good because it had potential because like i can't say someone like you know passed the test because they answered every question but you know it, it, they're all wrong but like oculus in terms of its structure like it's structured like the sequel to a horror movie we never saw and you know you know it comes in with you know doctor who's hot assistant uh, whose name I can't remember. Uh, Karen Gillum, that was it. I, I know her name. I was just trying to pretend like I didn't know. Like I had it memorized the, the attractive, the attractive redheads name on Doctor Who. But um, and like she has like this plan to defeat. She has her sort of like Nancy, Karen McAllister, Home Alone one plan to defeat this evil entity. Like and gosh darn it, she's gonna do it. Uh, and like everything just fucking blows up in her face. You know, like, so it really does, for me, play out like the, the, it plays out like the third, it plays out like a horror movie in reverse. Like, she starts out with this big plan to solve this bit, you know, this horror problem, and like, towards the end, it just devolves into insanity. And I really, I mean, I like that. And, Insidious, I can't, I don't remember, I've seen Insidious like five times, I don't remember anything about it. But Sinister, I remember liking the soundtrack. And I, and I, I often, you know, uh, reference Bagul, the Eater of Children. That's just that's the uh, that's like the Baba Duke of that movie. I didn't see Sinister. The Baba Duke is an awful movie. I don't care what anyone says. The Baba Duke is one of the worst movies I've seen oh, in my entire life. You didn't oh, like wow. Baba Duke? It's not that good. That, it's, I I agree. <laughs> like, I'm not down. Two Baba Dukeers. And it follows too overrated. I I don't like a lot of these. It follows uh, horror. Yeah, movies. it follows is not that good. It, I was friends with the main character, and we don't hang out anymore. So fuck it, follows. <laughs> yeah. It follows to me. Petty I was like, bullshit. To, uh, it follows. I was like. It just is so self-conscious with the 70s look and feel, and it doesn't, I don't know, like, like that's also kind of what, like, bugs me about, like, Stranger Things a little bit, to be totally honest, is that it's like, let's make things that are new, inspired by these old things, not things that we make to just look exactly like these old things, it's you know the, what I mean? Yeah, well, it's the, again, it's, it's the aesthetic that, uh, it comes from a corporate place, yeah. it comes from... 
it comes from a a desire to appeal to a nostalgia to another product and sell off that rather than go like what's an aesthetic like there's nothing wrong with copying that aesthetic if you have like an interesting story like i would argue that dagon even though it was came out in like 2002 or 2003 like it has the aesthetic of like a late 80s film i think but it works because it was filmed in spain actually i think that's a lot of it it wasn't like necessarily delivered but yeah it, it works and i think house of the devil like is like the perfect example of like uh, this, like it, it captured the aesthetic. It looks like a seventies movie exactly. You probably couldn't tell the difference. Yeah. But like that should have been like the only movie to do that, right? Like not every. Yeah, I mean, you, you, like like but yeah, like there are a lot of movies that do it way too on the nose. Like Hobo with a Shotgun. That was like trying to be an eighties movie so yeah. badly that it didn't feel like an actual movie. Or even uh, I haven't seen Thor Ragnarok because it's not out yet. But God, it looks like they're All really those trying titles hard and everything. Yeah, the disco titles. You know, I, I think it's very telling. Those guys, the Duffer Brothers, when they sold uh, that Stranger Things show, the way they sold it, I guess, was they cut together just like a reel of scenes from other movies. That's so what a lot like of people do, though. That's pretty like e. mood reels. Yeah, but I think that that was like the the thing that sold it for that show, mm. and I'm like, that's very telling to me. Like, that's just Netflix going, like, okay, like, yeah, do cosplay of uh, Steven Spielberg for us. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I so I think there's a thin line between nostalgia bait and just like a period piece. Mm. And I think that you know, with Stranger Things, Stranger Things is a period piece. Like, there's nothing. And I, the way you tell the difference is that are there things in this? You know, for me, like, are there things in these scenes that would not be present hmm. in you know? In an eighties, in, in like an eighties kid's bedroom, like are, like are there wink winks nod to the camera that you know that are you know just there to like you know perhaps to have people like you know go oh I recognize that like that's an eighties movie I'm yeah. a fan of and pogs. that was really <laughs> yeah po- like pogs like you know uh, uh Millie Vanilli I don't know I, I wasn't <laughs> uh, what, what do eighties people do but no uh, and Stranger Things did not have the setting was the eighties right and like and it wasn't gratuitous except for like a few things that were kind of out of place when like, Ryder was gratuitous, like her entire yeah. role. No, I thought, like the kid has a like Evil Dead poster on the wall. That's bullshit. That's the only that. part. That's, that's that's the only part that's gratuitous because like, no one would have an Evil Dead poster, like especially in what Indiana in the, like in the eighties because it wasn't that <laughs> yeah. popular. But uh, I think the otherwise, I think that for me the problem with, I didn't like it follows either. I think that like that, that was Rotten Tomatoes like screwing me over again by telling me something had like a 91 percent and me thinking oh this is a perfect movie when really it's like a six <laughs> out of ten everyone can agree it's a six out of ten uh you know, you know what's I, a real good sign for me typically that i'm not gonna like a movie if 90 percent of reviewers think it's good <laughs> if the, if a movie if a movie invokes consensus in people i think it's probably not gonna be a, a very interesting film well the interesting thing about the the tomato meter now is like the higher the rotten tomato score is the more likely the reviews are to be more middle like yeah. if you yeah. see like a score have like a 95 Rotten Tomato score it's a every critic is giving it like a C plus yeah, that was even like for, for this Blade Runner when Blade Runner was at like 96% this Blade Runner 2049 I started looking at the reviews and they were like it's adequate <laughs> I'm like oh great fucking fantastic like the greatest movie ever made 100%er uh, but sorry I think we cut you off there Brandon oh, no, no, you're right that's I mean because for me as Blade Runner like I really liked it but like when I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes it's like, it's like the aesthetic is really pleasing <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, that's that's what you can say about the the last Blade Runner too. But like, that didn't make it a perfect movie. But no, no, I think that for me, the problem with it follows was that the opening scene was very strong. Like the opening scene was incredibly strong. I mean, incredibly invested. And then like the movie just had this kind of I don't know, maybe I just didn't like the tone of it. 
and like the whole nostalgic sort of 80s feel to it felt i don't know if they were going to go for it they should have gone for it yeah well, but did, like it kind of rode the middle line mm-hmm. didn't it like didn't somebody like have a cell phone and it follows so it was like they were all like wearing bell bottoms and it was like was color timed to look like a 70s movie but then like they were using cell phones it's just a little too twee for me well the guest was, was like archer yeah, they they they, are, they archered it. They they didn't they didn't like they made it ambiguous. Yeah, and I thought that they should just go on like they should just made Halloween again. Yeah. but like but with like but with a sex demon. Mm. <laughs> did did you like the Adam Wingard uh, throwback movies? You're next and the guest by any chance? I did like your neck. I thought your neck could have been better. I liked the guest because the guest was basically just like a uh, Captain America, but fucking people, like, but just killing people. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I like Stevens is a fun actor. I mean. But those di- those had the same style, I think, in terms of like what Winger did was very similar to what It Follows did. Like there was so much, so much uh, invested into emulating the feel and the look that it almost got in the way of the movie being itself, it- its own identity. Uh, you know, I feel like the problem with Your Next is is that The Strangers did the exact same movie, but obviously better. Like mm. The Strangers. With the with the guy from um, it's always it's always. Uh, so I'm saying Philadelphia. That movie's trash, what? man. I'm sorry oh, to tell you. No. <laughs> the Strangers is a bad oh, movie. I don't, I don't care. I don't care how many Joanna knew some vinyl she plays. That movie, <laughs> that movie is garbage. That movie is good. It's dope. I like it. You know what? What really makes it for me? I, 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 let me ask you uh, so to kind of wrap up. Like, what makes a good horror movie for you? What makes it for me? Like the thing that like. I love in any horror movie is where it ends badly for everyone. Like when it's something yeah. inescapable, when the main character dies, when you when these people are put in these situations that they don't understand and no matter how hard they try to fight their way out of it, they cannot escape. I think the vast majority of the movies I picked uh, for the list um, have that same thing or at least where the monster can't be stopped like in Tomie. Tomie cannot die. That's literally the tagline yeah, right. of the movie. Killer, she comes back. Yeah, she, killer, she comes back. And if and if you look at the comics, if you chop her into pieces, she comes back in pieces. Like it, it's fucking terrifying. So I or the Grudge, you cannot stop the Grudge. There is nothing you can do to stop it. So I, that's what makes a horror movie for me. That nihilistic feeling where like you like you as a individual human have no real hope. Of powerless. You're powerless. You're you can't survive. You cannot stop it. You can maybe delay it until maybe uh, right before the credits, and then you get fucked. Yeah. On and, that, it, and isn't that what isn't that just more reflective of what life is <laughs> altogether? Yeah, I, I was gonna say. So how'd you get involved with the left, Brandon? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I was gonna bridge that. I was gonna say this. I was gonna say, um, you know, when you talk about like politics and you know horror movies being you know, in some ways, vehicles for cultural anxiety. I wonder if all these nostalgic movies like that are coming out right now, whether it be It Follows, Stranger Things, or rather the popularity of them, because I guess they've always been out. Like It Follows, Stranger Things, uh, the um, was it was new and oh It. I wonder if that is uh, you know, a result of just escapism, people wanting to harken mm. back, not just not just your, your everyday average conservative Republican like harkening back to the good old days, but you know, people in general well, just I- wanting to harken back to that sort of the good old days of you know the 80s yeah the 80s are the new 50s for a lot of people yeah and look i mean these you you say that you know 
You're like not just conservative. I think that it, these these things are tied together. You know what I mean? Like Donald Trump winning on "Make America Great Again" is exa- is exactly the same as liking Stranger Things. Don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but, but you're right, right? I think that you know people under people for people who don't understand why "Make America Great Again" was like the perfect the perfect sort of slogan for Middle America and some sections of just not Middle America, right? Every yeah. part of America, like they don't really have the uh they don't have the sort of the the tool set to understand or like the, the context to understand like what's going on in the rest of the world and that you know stuff like it being popular is a good sort of segue into that because you know nostalgia is simply you know uh a longing for an imagined past due to dissatisfaction with the realities of the like you know with the realities mm-hmm. of the present they so say you think back like oh well you know so you think so you invent this past where things were better and easier and like in for in some way and you know you try to escape back there so i I wonder if that is a result of that it always feels like when what whatever time we're nostalgic for is like right before when everyone was like born or conscious you know what i mean like now it's the 80s and it's like you know all of us in our generation before like not really alive in the 80s and we're like oh it's probably like uh how it was in steven spielberg movies like kids in little jackets running around like uh, <laughs> yeah, solving uh, crimes on bicycles solving crimes and shit wow oh, yeah. things were good back then but in the 80s it was like it was the 50s it was happy days whenever you know uh, uh, it's an interesting thing that uh, uh it's you know the time it seems that uh the world was always better just right before you were able to uh, uh see what the world was yeah the duop station kareth 101 is now an 80s station yeah so you know exactly yeah, i was hearing stuff from i was this is i was listening to a uh, k day which is like the old school rap yeah. station out here and they they're playing like the chronic 2001 now and i'm like okay i am now we're, we're i'm fucking old i, I know guess i know it now late 20s and early 30s they're making us feel old already it's <laughs> fucking weird since soon we'll be having like 90s nostalgia movies I mean, absolutely we'll just, oh yeah jonah hill's directing one it's called <laughs> it's called mid 90s <laughs> That's fucking ridiculous. That's not even trying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess, you know, you want to close that, so I'll, I'll answer your question about what makes a horror movie good for me. Um, I'm not very easily scared by horror movies. Like, I, I find myself being more frightened by, you know, horror comics, horror, like, horror manga, like, you know, so, like, you say, Tomie is written by, uh, what's Junji his face? Uh, Junji, Junji Ito. Like, so, like, uh, Uzumaki by him is a fucking like grotesque and scary Insane, and a yeah. must read. Uh, so is Gyo. Um, I like the comic book Nailbiter. It's great. I like you know audio dramas. So like the no I have a lot of Japanese horror to cop- catch up on. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but for me, so like I think that, and also talking about the left, right? So um, for me, like for horror to be good, it has to answer the question like, well, if you can't scare me, what else do you have? Like, like, what else do you have for me? Do you like if like if I if if you can't like frighten me either through like startling or through body horror? Uh, what else do you have for me? And like, do you have an interesting story? Do you have something compelling? Do you, are you trying new things? Like like what like what else are you bringing to the table? And so for me, a lot of horror movies fail on that front because like it has just become like jump scare after jump scare after jump scare after jump scare. Like no atmosphere to like to contribute to the jump scares. And so I sit there like and if you can't startle me, which you can't startle me for whatever reason, other my cat can for some you know. Uh, to, uh, associated reason uh like hmm. i find myself being incredibly bored with horror a lot of times so uh i like movies that have something to offer beyond just cheap jump scare and it can be anything so like i, I don't judge horror movies by how much they frighten me and so far i got judged mythical how like what like are they trying anything new so like i like i like stuff 
that might even fail, you know, to, to and also it makes me easier on horror too as a genre, right? So I think mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, if it's not scary, it's not horror. It's like, well, a lot of things aren't scary that like, right. like it's like it can't be the defining character. Like it, something is not not comedy because it's not funny. <laughs> like so, you have to have some sort of other. Yeah, then criteria. no comedy is comedy, right? Yeah, no comedy is comedy because it's all subjective. Yeah. So I mean, for me, it's it, it's just like, what do you have to offer beyond just being scary? So movies like Cab, The Cabin in the Woods, like. Scream mm-hmm. that like that are you know meta commentaries on horror as a genre. Movies like Day of the Dead or um, Get Out that have like are like are they, you know more on the nose takes on like race relations. Right. Movies like uh, Bad Biology or um, or uh, I was say um crap what's that movie uh uh shit good uh, like any other like, or Troll too and you're just funny yeah. like, you're, like you like right. you're, you're funny like something that like, has uh or even just like you know. Alien or uh, you know Halloween, you're just a, you're just a good movie. Like like, like like no one can deny that you're like you are actually you're just right. a good movie. And so like I look for things like I'm not as nihilistic as Leslie is. Like you know, it could, I think he's good. more fatalistic than nihilistic. <laughs> yeah. I, w- I would argue. If you want to read some nihilistic, you should you should read um. Thomas Ligotti's The Conspiracy to End Against Mankind, which is just like all about horror, horror theory. Oh, yeah, I read and... a lot of Ligotti, actually. Yeah. Mm. Is yeah, he related he's... to William Ligotti, the guy who like uh, tweets at Trump all the time? I hope not. Uh, but Ligotti's <laughs> a good, uh, good author um, to get into because he's like really reclusive and weird. And the whole like um, first season of True Detective was basically based off his philosophy so i would definitely recommend checking out his short story collections if you uh have it true detective let me down man it let everyone down <laughs> i know i meant the first so, season let me down yeah it was a bad ending yeah, it, it was too I, happy I, I wanted things to go off the rails i wanted it to be like full of crafty and i, I wanted like the first four episodes to be grounded and like last four episodes to just be like the shadow over Innsmouth and I thought that would have been amazing <laughs> there, there's no reason Rust and Cole should have ever ended up like friends again or like working on the same team they should have killed each other by the end I mean there's <laughs> they hurt each other so much and they didn't they, and, they, and, they, and they did so much fucked up shit that like yeah for them to all just kind of come together at the last minute and solve the crime it, it felt completely forced Anyway, twenty fourteen talk. I think that no, I think they should have found out Cthulhu was real, and then it would have. Oh, the the Yellow King shit. Yeah, it didn't add up to anything. Then it would have like lit created. I I think I just think for me the idea of like this like intense character study of like these two like just petty awful bullshit like cops with their bullshit (laughs) lives, uh, like taking place in the backdrop of like a cosmic horror would have really lent weight to the idea of like all of you know mcconaughey's bullshit like like philosophy like and the fact that everyone started buying into it by the end like it would have just been like a great place to go where it's like okay well our our problems are meaningless and bullshit the the problem was that he was writing a a, in his words now a buddy cop uh uh series that's what pizzolatto said that's exactly that's 100 he said that that's what he thought of it it was now he's a great writer who was a lot of references so he threw us you know the lovecraftian bones and the legati philosophy but at the end of the day he was doing his buddy cop thing and that's why the end was uh rust and cold you know you know hugging and crying over their uh their losses basically 
That kind of reminds me. They just announced a Rush Hour three. It'd be kind of cool if they replaced Jackie Chan with Cthulhu. <laughs> Chris oh Tucker, gosh. come on, Cthulhu. <laughs> we gotta take these guys out. Now, don't you ever touch uh, uh, an ancient god's radio. <laughs> I would love to see like a shot for shot remake of like Rush Hour one, but with like Rustin Cole, like in the exact same. Like, but the exact same. <laughs> that's what Pizzolatto was trying to do. That's what he wanted to be doing. That's that's great. I mean, that's like that's I I like that. I like I I, just, I now want to see him do like a horror movie. We'd probably call everyone to kill themselves. <laughs> um, the next uh, the next one's gonna have uh, I think Maharsha Ali or something like that. Like it's gonna be they're going back to the south. The next True Detective. Yeah. Anyway, not that. Whatever. Um, <laughs> well, thanks for being here, Brandon. This was yeah, really fun. This is a lot I don't of know, fun. Thank, thank you. I mean, you know. If you were to talk about talk comic books with me, we should we should totally. I'm mean, reading every last like lots yeah, of shit. Yeah, yeah, oh, we we'll, definitely have, we'll have to you back. have you back. Yeah, to talk more. Like, because I feel like we only got like ten percent of the stuff that we could have talked about. Like, is, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Oh no, I'm, I'm going to do my Halloween special uh, in the next few days. So, like, one of you, one of you, like, you three fight to the death to decide who wants to come on. Who wants to come on my we'll show? Talk about because, it. because I only have one spot. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. We'll figure it out. Okay. Well, thanks for doing yeah, it, man. Nice, nice talking to you. Nice, uh, yes, to talk yeah. to you. And where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at a uh, pretty bad lefty. It's spelled how it's, it's spelled how it sounds like pretty and then bad and then lefty. It's a joke because no, <laughs> no one calls themselves a lefty. Uh, and you can find my uh, my podcast uh, at on SoundCloud. You know backslash expanded discourse, or you can you know reach through my Twitter profile. Uh, and also you know. If you wake up at exactly 3.23 at night because you hear, like, the floorboards creaking in your apartment, uh, it's me under your bed. But, don't, <laughs> but do not look. Never look. <laughs> well, uh, you can find Brandon on the Discourse, on Twitter, or uh, under, under your, your bed. bed. <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everybody. And but have don't a, look. Have a very scary rest of October. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Struggle Session. Uh, subscribe to us on Patreon. If you'd like to shoot us an email, hit us up at thestrugglesession at gmail.com. We are at strugglesession.us. If you'd like to check out our Tumblr, if you would like to follow us on Twitter, not me, but us in general, check out at Struggle Sesh, S-E-S-H. Like what you hear? Want to hear more? Check us out at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus or strugglesession.substack.com for all our public episodes, commercial free, as well as hundreds of bonus episodes. Thank you to all our listeners for holding us down five years strong.